Welcome to Diversity Conversations, where we engage in thought-provoking dialogue to identify leadership solutions to today's most challenging conflicts. Stream live each week, Saturday, 9.30 a.m. to 11 a.m., hosted by diversity, equity, and inclusion strategists and CEOs Eric Ellis and Tommy Lewis. Join us and add your voice to this engaging diversity conversation. Good morning, Greater Cincinnati, Northern Kentucky, the United States and the world. My name is Eric Ellis, and I'm the president and CEO of Integrity Development Corporation. And I'm joined this morning by my good friend and brother. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Tommy, we can't hear you yet. The enemy is trying to take your voice. I see. I'll just keep talking until you can uh, talk. <laughs> but right now, it looks like it's uh, still got your mic muted. Uh, but Tommy and I are so glad to be with you all this morning. And uh, we start off generally by talking about our week. And so I'll start by just kind of talking about how my week was. <clears throat> Exciting week. Tommy, sounds like I heard sound. Are you there? I think I'm here. I think I'm here. Excellent. Excellent, Eric. Boy, the enemy was trying to do his thing. But start off with your week, Eric. Yeah. Tell me I had a good week, man. Uh, I, uh, you know, closing in on finalizing our updated uh, website. So I'm excited about that. So next week, I think we'll finish that out and get that work done. We are conducting three executive searches for uh, clients of ours, and those are going outstanding and just really enjoying that process. Uh, but Tommy, I uh, did some IDIs this week. You now are a qualified administrator with the IDIs as well. <clears throat> Did some uh, IDIs this week, Tommy, and really, man, was just inspired by the people. You know, I was coaching one person one-on-one, uh, -on -one, and I think he was nervous uh, that, you know, he says, Eric, I just got to confess, I spend so much time trying to understand others and, and, and Googling things and Googling things. He says, and I get like twisted up in Google. I just get all twisted up. And it was the sweetest thing that I ever seen a person who is really out here scrambling uh, to understand others and feeling like I'm constantly maybe uh, falling short. Yep. And he was at the level of acceptance. <clears throat> I said, I said, that's what acceptance looks like. Yes. It looks like somebody fighting to try to understand others. I said, kudos to you. And he was like, really? Just really a kind person. And uh, another person that I met with uh, had come up uh, on a lower end of minimization. <clears throat> Eric, I have something I want to ask you. You know, is it possible that uh, trauma that has happened in your life, if you came up in a household where, you know, your uh, father, you know, was, you know, doing things that weren't healthy in the household. Can those things affect how you look at and interact with others and the patients sometimes that you, I said, yeah. And uh, we started talking and she was just really believing that so much in her life sometimes impacts uh, her openness to really be patient with others. And uh, we started talking, man, and I was just able to encourage her and, and uh, you know, uh, she was weeping. And I just, Tommy, people need folks, we need love. 
That's what we need from each other. We need love. We need grace. And as I think about, I'm writing a post that I'm going to put up uh, this week that those who are seeking to attack DEI will fail. They're going to fail, Tommy, because, uh, you know, uh, the same people that wanted slavery, the same people that wanted Jim Crow, the same people uh, that uh, perpetuated the Holocaust and those that are Holocaust deniers, they won't win. Right. Uh, Love and justice, those are the things that will win. And as long as you and I continue to sort of spread love and help people really see their better selves, uh, that's what this is all about, Tommy. The enemy doesn't win, brother, doesn't win. And I felt like God was just with me with these, with all these people, man. Tommy, just uh, that decided to be vulnerable and transparent because they they feel as though somebody's not going to beat them up. Somebody's not going to judge them. Somebody's not going to talk them down. Somebody's going to encourage them, give them grace, love them, and say, me too. Me too. Me too. All of those things are elements of who I am as well. Yeah. Yeah. We're in the same boat, Eric, at the end of the day. Uh, Human beings, you and I, others, uh, young and old, and anyone in between, we're trying to pursue whatever we're trying to pursue. And it's not easy. None of those paths are easy. No. And uh, it takes some individual leadership and accountability to acknowledge where we are in that moment. And we're all vulnerable in any given moment. And then also uh, when we do identify that we have a we're in a place of need, Mm -hmm. uh, a place of direction, even a place that we would like to offer up support and expect some reciprocity. So I'm doing this to help myself, too. We are all in that. Right. And we end up where we end up. And so right. I think that one of the this the best first steps is around self-awareness. Yeah. Right? To get a benchmark of where we are today. Right. And we all are different today, hopefully, than we were five years ago, 15 years ago, 30 years ago. Uh, but then to put together a plan. What does that plan look like mm. individually, as a team, as an organization? And so that's part of... <laughs> That's part of uh, intercultural competence. That's part of leadership. And that's where we are today, I think. Uh, and looking forward to uh, having additional conversations with that, uh, with our with our, our guest. And uh, it's great to hear the, the work that you're doing, Eric, the work that you're doing and the, the, the energy of comfort that you bestow on individuals who may be uncertain, who may be anxious, yeah. who may even be negative. Yeah. And they, they turn and realize that it's not what you say, it's not what you do, it's actually who you are, Eric. It's who you are, how you show up, that folks say, okay, uh, he's a human, I'm a human, why don't we be humans together? Yeah, and that is a blessing, Tommy. <clears throat> that's a blessing, man. I mean, yes, we are living in blessings. Because it can be discouraging, and you and I talk about that. But God has uh, selected us uh, to be people that folks will trust, and that when they trust us, we feel that, and we appreciate that. We know that that's uh, it's an honor to be in that place, and uh, I'm just grateful to be able to do that and to be able to feel this way uh, 32 years later. 
But I don't want to delay any longer because we've got a guest today that's going to uh, talk to us about planning. And so we're going to invite to the stage Kelly Frazier Cox. Good morning, Kelly. Thank you so much for having me back. This is great. Yes, Absolutely. Indeed. We are, you are not a stranger to us any longer. We no. know exactly <laughs> what our community is in store for, and that's a power, dynamo, uh, wise counselor. Uh, we are just so delighted to have you back with us, Kelly. No, thank you. I'm excited to be here. You know, just let's get in it. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. So, so Kelly, I think we're going to talk about managing up, managing up and, and how to be a proactive, uh, uh, how to be proactive with leadership. So I wanted to kind of turn it over to you to uh, first explain what managing up is and then kind of just let's have the dialogue and the conversation around how one might be proactive. That is the opposite of reactive with regards to leadership. Mm, thank you. Thank you for that intro. Um, Lately, in my coaching practice, this has been coming up quite a lot. And there's two, uh, I think, catalysts for this. One is a lot of people are coming out of their performance reviews right now and feeling a bit disappointed of, you know, not their career path hasn't been laid out for them in detail. Um, no one's kind of tapping them on the shoulder for the next big opportunity. And they're feeling frustrated and they're not sure what to do. And the other place I'm seeing this is in my volunteer work. So I'm a board member for Dress for Success, and they're expanding their mission to go beyond un unemployed to underemployed. And with, when you have women who have just overcome such tremendous obstacles, they are tough in their life, but struggle with how to communicate with their manager in the workplace, especially <laughs> without having you know a more formal uh, leadership training or mentorship. So that's kind of how it starts. And I think the common mistake a lot of people make is they're kind of waiting for someone to show them the path. And, and that's understandable. And let's not let all the managers and leaders off the hook here. You know, there is a responsibility for a leader to help with you. But my role as a coach is around helping what's in your control. And you can't necessarily push someone to do, uh, you know, to do that. But you can nudge and figure things out. Uh, so that's where the managing up piece comes around. So it could be getting your next promotion. It could be um, you're trying to get an idea across that maybe folks are resistant to, or you're trying to drive change, which is a lot of what you all have been talking about in the DEI space, where you may be meeting some resistance. How do you start to build some momentum to get leadership, those above management, senior management, to see that a change is necessary? And so th this is this is a good kickoff and what some of the concepts that you're mentioning, uh, both Eric and I are familiar with it uh, in, the, in the HR space and organizational effectiveness or organizational development space in a talent management space. And I share space because these are concepts that people are sometimes familiar with. But as a coach, Kelly, how do you connect a concept? that one might be familiar with and an action of how one may take on those concepts and actually do, right? Yes. To really set those goals and really understand their audience, et cetera, et cetera. Well, uh, y'all know me now, I'm, I love a bullet point list. So there, 
I would say I try to get my team, my uh, coaches to think in a few ways. One is their goals. You know, what are they thinking about? What do they want to accomplish? Then focusing on their audience so that they can frame their message in a way that's as digestible as possible to the people they're working with. And then building a strategy, especially when you're doing things like building a personal brand or getting your message out there. So we could certainly go into that in more detail. But for goals specifically, where I think people have a hard time is there's they're waiting for that path to be revealed. And a lot of folks I talk to, they kind of fell into their jobs. Right. It's like you come out of college, you need a job, you get something and it works. You get promoted, you know, you stay. And then you hit that moment where you go, is this really what I should be doing? Am I really maximizing everything I have to offer? Um, I'm putting in all these long hours. Am I being rewarded in a way that I, you know, it should be. And then that's it's a key moment to stop to think about what do you want? And so, Tommy, to your point of what are your goals? Where do you want to get to? And they could be different things. Like, for example, I took many lateral moves in my career because I wanted different experiences. And that's different from wanting a constant ladder of promotions. So thinking about what experiences you want to have and what you want to accomplish is really important here. And then what timeline? So I, this one I do want to chuckle about a little bit because as I started to bring on, you know, new graduates, as I started to bring on, you know, folks with less tenure, that came up a lot of expecting a promotion like every six months. <laughs> so, you know, <laughs> how can we set realistic expectations around when should a promotion happen? What do you need to do to be ready for that promotion? So getting them to nail down those specific goals is really step one. Let me ask you this, uh, Kelly, <clears throat> because as I think about this, I, 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 I often am coaching organizations. And so I'm on that side. Um, basically, what I've seen is that organizations are doing a poor job of performance uh, management, uh, evaluations, uh, mm -hmm. professional development and development tracks, just non-existent, arbitrary, mm -hmm. subjective. Uh, but I think that even in the midst of that world, it's even that much more important for you to be effectively managing up. Mm -hmm. But my question to you is, when do I determine wh whether I should be, you know, utilizing techniques to manage up, uh, looking for other places in the organization, or maybe this organization is not the right fit? How do people sort of go through that process? And I know the millennials are just not very patient. They're not going to actually wait through a whole system of that. But for other people that, you know, what, what do you say in terms of time frame and uh, decision points that help me to determine whether I should be managing up, looking for someplace else here or looking for another organization? Well, I, I kind of want to give a shout out to the millennials because I think they've taught us that you don't have to put up with it. Absolutely. You don't have to stay. Uh, and I actually have pulled some strength from that of, you know, it forced me to take a step back of, you know, why have I been at this company this long? Right, <laughs> you know, right. Do I have to stay? Um, so I, I, I think they get a knock for that, but I think that's a strength because every time they move, they get more money. Every time they move, they build their network. Like there's some strength and opportunity. I'm seeing that in my household right? <laughs> and, and admiring it. So, you know, but with that, when you're trying to decide what to do, it really comes down to, again, what that goal is. Because if you've been trying to get promoted, 
And we will we can talk about some of the techniques on how to do that and approach your management. And it's not working. Yes, there's certainly a point where you can only bang your head against the wall so, for so long and it's time to move on and find a place where you're appreciated. But as you think about you know, getting real feedback, and this is part of the issue of the performance management process, is that our leaders are not equipped to give good feedback. Yeah. If we can start getting that feedback loop better and understanding what skills are missing, then that will determine, is it better for me to jump to another department and learn more analytical skills? Is it better for me to um, stay here and become a mentor so I can build some management skills? So I think that's a key piece in making that decision on where to go next. So I remember getting some critical feedback uh, many moons ago. Uh, I was an engineering intern. I have been interning for five years. I was a part of this organization called En-ROADS. Mm-hmm. And I was uh, on my career trajectory to be the best engineer in the world, okay. at least in my mind, right? Yeah. <laughs> and then my uh, my mentor, who is also my, my boss, Benjamin Sinquina, he gave me some critical feedback. He got straight to the point, Kelly. He said, uh, uh, you're a terrible engineer, right? And <laughs> it landed like a ton of bricks. Five years. I said, <laughs> I don't know what to do with that, Ben. But and he said, he said, uh, in all seriousness, son, um, I've, I've watched you for five years. Engineering uh, that we do here, we're kind of behind the computer. At the time, it was a board, right? We had AutoCAD was just in- introduced to the environment. He says, uh, says, but when we go out to work with the clients. You do a phenomenal job in building relationships, mm. understanding the needs of the client, really asking some critical questions in my mind. He says, what I would like to do is give you additional feedback. That is, uh, and this is up to you to receive. Uh, I would like you to think about stop building buildings and start building people. Mm. That's lovely. Mm. And so at the same time that he gave me feedback, he gave me feed forward. Mm-hmm. And that's a concept that I've learned over the years, feed forward, that uh, most people don't don't think about. But it aligned that feedback, feed forward, aligned me to my future goals. Mm-hmm. And I was able to sunset my career as an engineer and then launch into a 30 year career in HR, DEI, et cetera, et cetera. That's fantastic. And so my question to you is. Say I have my goals in mind, Mm -hmm. right? And they are, I'm narrowly and laser focused on my goals. And I'm not really achieving my goals within the time frame that I set. Like Mm -hmm. you said, it could be six months, it may be a couple of years. But in true reality, I'm also asking myself, is is this my goal? Mm -hmm. My true goal or or did I embrace that goal because I saw someone else achieving their goal and I said, I can do that, too. I should be able to get that promotion, get into that home, get into that car, take those vacations and then kind of be on that publication. Mm -hmm. I'm just on that publication. I'm up in front of the stage. I'm getting the award. I can see myself, but I'm not getting it. Mm. Right. So what do you say or how do you coach? your clients who whose goals are not realistic mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right? realistic that's a tough pill that might be some 
critical feedback. Their goal is not realistic. Mm -hmm. right? uh, how do you coach? And again, as I put a bow around this, I'm also a a former professional athlete who who I would say I decided to transition. That's not the truth. The truth was I was cut. Right? <laughs> That's the baseball world. transition, Jew. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I did transition. Right. <laughs> it wasn't me. It was my goal was to be there. Their goal was like, no, we have some other options. And right. Transition me. Right. So that goal was actually unrealistic at a particular point. Mm. So what? How? How might you give that feedback or feed forward to clients or to others that they may need to adjust their goals? Mm -hmm. I like to look at that through kind of a couple lenses. The first is self-awareness to your point earlier, Tommy, right? Sitting down, I mean, you all talked about the IDI, um, you know, I use MBTI, DISC, you know, any of those tools um, to help people have that self-awareness first, because they may realize as they go through this, was that an idea that came from my parents? Was that an idea that came from society? Is that truly, truly where I'm happy, how I get my energy, how I prefer to communicate? You know, one of the things um, with MBTI that I like is, you know, to answer the questions like no one's watching. Right. So just give me your true natural self the best you can, not what you do, but who you are. And if you can start with that, that I think is what helps to help um, help them come to their own realization that possibly that goal is not realistic. But on the other side, um, I would say that's the other piece is if you're in the role, you've decided I want to be that VP, you know, I want to be the president of the division and you're having a hard time getting there or you just don't see the path. Then I would say, let's take an accurate look at your culture. Because it may be that you are in the wrong place. You could still have that goal, but you could be in the wrong spot. So let's look at who else has been promoted. And not just one person, but let's look at a group of people and try and be as objective as possible. Because you know us, we'll go, oh, hey, they had it easy. Oh, they're best friends with such and such. You know, they a lot of reasons on why everyone else is getting promoted but you. But if you try to look at it objectively, um, that's when you can say, all right, well, actually, these people, what they did is they built uh, a new deck and they were able to get that to the VPs to show they were full of new ideas or they're very analytical and I'm more storyteller. You know, so try and figure out those. And that is to me what, how you start to chip away of A, is this the right job for you? And B, is this the right place for you? Uh, and if you check yes on both of those, then you could start building that plan of what are your next steps and how you want to communicate it. Yeah. Uh, Kelly, I've got a couple of questions for you. Uh, and so I'll start with the one as to this notion of managing up and what all is entailed in that. Uh, so let me look at it from a generational standpoint, okay. because today, most of the people that we're talking to, it's all about me. And how can the organization do what it needs to do to make me happy mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, and uh, and for me to be able to, to win? Mm -hmm. uh, nobody much is thinking about their boss and what they need or anything. It, mm -hmm. It's really how is this organization satisfying me? Now, generationally, I'm going to go back a little bit to my generation. <laughs> I knew what my job was. My job was to make the boss happy. 
That's what it was. And I had no problem with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, if I had to go get the coffee, I'd go get that. Mm-hmm. Uh, if I had to go get the donuts and I could get an extra one for me. Now, I don't agree with that. But, but, but there is an element of I understood that in all this doing, that part of what I got to do is figure out what are the needs of the person who is managing me. Mm-hmm. And how can I deliver a work ethic against that mm-hmm. so that they they see me as valuable? I've even told athletes that mm-hmm. that you can work on your skills to make it very difficult to ignore you. In other words, you can work yourself into a position that your skill sets are going to be valuable somewhere. And if you don't like them here, I now have a lot of options. So help me to understand where's the balance line between not being abused and doing gopher stuff. I get that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but also trying to identify what are the needs, uh, the uh, what's keeping your boss up at night kind of thing. Mm-hmm. No, great question. And there's, there's some lessons from our early hustle culture, right? Because if you're willing to go into business for yourself and do all the grunt work and do all the dirty work, you know, there's some element of being willing to do that in an organization. Right. But I agree that taking advantage of right. unpaid or young talent, you know, I think those times are gone. And yeah. they be. That's right. That's right. That's right. Um, the hazing of being a new hire, right? Yeah. I'm not doing it. I lived through some of that. I wouldn't wish it on anybody. Really. Right. Um, but here's when we're thinking about managing up, once you know what you want, you know, once we've accomplished those first areas, thinking about your boss in a couple of different ways could make a huge difference. Because if you approach it as win win, mm-hmm. you know, where I can do my best, make the most I can make, get great experience, and help the company. That's the formula I want yeah. people to think about is win win. It should not be win. It shouldn't be at the expense of my boss that I get promoted. It should be at the expense of me that the company does well. Right. But what that win win entails is twofold. One, how can I help the company? What are the big gaps? Like you work there every day. You know what's broken. You know what needs to be fixed. How can you proactively help, even if it's offering ideas, but certainly jumping in to try and help fix some of those things? That is the best and fastest way to get noticed, for sure. But the other is understanding your boss. But you understand your boss in two ways. One, what their metrics are. You know, what do they have to report on? Because if they can hit that, they're going to attach your name to it, right? You know, Tommy did a great job getting that new client. You know, we needed to make sure they were a problem before he's turned it around. And now they're spending 30% more than last year. You know, you want that attachment. So what are their metrics and how can you help forward those? But the second is how do they communicate? And this is actually a rub that I'm seeing very frequently Mm. where, you know, we say, I'm direct. I tell it like it is, Mm. right? I'm going to put it out, right? But your boss may be a little more introverted, maybe, you know, a little more focused on data. Maybe, you know, they need to be more of a friend, you know? So understanding how they receive information, understanding how they communicate, and then taking your message. You don't change. You are who you are. Your values are your values. But adapting that so it's easy for your boss to hear you 
is really what is helpful. So understanding how your boss communicates and then understanding what they're responsible for and then thinking about what, how can I help our business overall, our business, not the business, not your business, our business overall. I think those are the ways to think through. Right. And here's the second question that I have. Then thank you for that. And I think that's very helpful. Uh, the second question I have has to do with not just showing up and discovering that I'm working for a racist company or a sexist company and a bad boss. Mm -hmm. What can people do on the front end to avoid finding their way in to an organization and all of a sudden discovering that there's nobody that looks like me and, and, and that it's, it's a low probability that I can succeed here? Because mm -hmm. I think that if people weigh in in more responsible ways in the search, then maybe they can avoid being in a place that's almost hopeless. Mm, great question. Great question. Um, again, I'm going to, you know, shout out to the millennials and Gen Z because they are asking in the interview process, what is your DEI strategy? Uh, what is the makeup of your leadership team? I would have never dreamed to ask right. that back in the day, <laughs> even if I wanted to know, you know, I just, I wouldn't. So I love that we're being more transparent and asking those questions in the interview process. But if you don't, if someone here doesn't feel comfortable being that direct, you know, questions around, you know, what happened after the aftermath of George Floyd? How did you handle that as a company? How are you approaching the idea of gender equity? You know, so it's not as in your face, but it's a way to say, hey, I care about these things and I'm curious to see what you're doing and then ask a follow up question. Don't let them off the hook with just a we're looking at it. We have a committee for that. You know, we're, we're working through it. You know, get that. How many people are on the committee? What's the latest initiative that you all have done? So I think there's a way to have that conversation in a really professional, open way without putting them on the spot, but getting the information you need. And then, of course, there's things like Glassdoor and, you know, where you could start to dig through and get some of the employee reviews. But that is going to be from the most extreme part of the population. So that can't be the only truth. Well, what you're saying, sorry, Tommy, but what you're saying is not something that's well rehearsed with us. Yeah. In other words, if you even look fundamentally at our dating, mm -hmm. we're getting our best stuff. Mm -hmm. We're on our best behavior. We yeah. got our best makeup on mm -hmm. to present that to a person. And, and then all of a sudden, you know, we finally, you know, now we, you know, I, I now let my gut hang out. Right. I'm leaving the bathroom door open. You know, it's just horrible. So we're not really re well rehearsed on how to really be more authentic, uh, you know, up front. How do people balance that with this trying to look good? Because I think you're on to something. In other words, as you and I was just doing some work with a client last week and one said, she said, well, if I get into a place and I get a, a, a boss that's really micromanaging, da, 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 all of this, that lets me know where I am. I immediately start looking for someplace else. And I was like, wow. So she looks at that as indications of, OK, got to go. And so she starts working on it early. Uh, but what are your thoughts about the balancing of asking the tough questions with trying to be the nicest, you know, to get the to get the offer? Yeah, I. Let me think about that for one second. Because we all do it a little bit, honestly, but. but mm. 
I think where we want to go here is everyone. Yes, I agree. We should still continue to present our best selves, but it's having the pointed questions, you know, and that's where you have to prepare those in advance. Yeah. Right. And, and think about what you want to say. You can't you can't wing it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, don't try to wing this. <laughs> but, you know, asking, for example, a question like. Um, tell me about a, a problem client that's recently turned around mm -hmm. and what that process was like, you know, who was involved. And, you know, you could start to see where maybe the manager goes like I jumped in on the very next call and I started, you know, and then you go, OK, I got a sense for their style. Love <laughs> um, them. Love ask them. about their management style, ask about, um, mm. you know, more along the lines of how they deal with challenging situations. Mm -hmm. And then remember, when you're in the interview, you're interviewing them as much as they're interviewing you. Right. You're trying to find that match a, a partnership. And I, especially in working with a lot of my female clients, they really find it difficult to ask for that space in the interview to get those questions. So I even tell them, you know, keep an eye on the time when it gets to about 10 minutes before the end and they haven't That's given you an opportunity, just at least say, I'm happy to answer that question, but I do have a few for you as well. Yeah. Like, you know, make sure you put that marker down of you're not getting out this room until you answer a couple of these questions, you know. <laughs> that, that, that is fantastic. Uh, I have a bit of a curveball for you. Okay. You want to stay in the same game, mm -hmm. but a curveball. Mm -hmm. um, you're working with me, Kelly, and I'm the entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. I own the beauty salon. I own the barbershop. I own the quote unquote mom and pop. My customers in theory are king and queen. They're basically my, my leadership, my boss, mm. right? But as an entrepreneur, I'm on the grind. I'm trying to, in, I'm interviewing every week, every month, getting new jobs. I have new clients, et cetera. And in that, there's a little, something that seeps into my energy and my mindset that the customer is right. not my leader is not right. My, right, not, right? Now, brother. How, how do you coach me mm. right where i'm getting some feedback i have my beauty salon and i say that my hours are from 8 a.m until 8 p.m mm. right and i constantly come into the salon at nine o'clock, nine thirty, I'm missing calls. You had to chase me down, and Tommy, you gonna do my hair, right? Yeah. And I'm like, you know, I'll get there. And I'm just treating my leader, my customer, the king and queen, any old kind of way. Right. And then at the end of the day, I wonder why I haven't excelled or achieved certain goals. Mm. How do you coach me as an entrepreneur? Mm -hmm. who has lost sight on the value of the customer. Mm. For me, I always go back to the beginning, right? Why did you open a business? What was your, what were you hoping to achieve? Mm -hmm. And what was your original plan? And going through that, because it's all, I try to always get people back to their base because we get so lost in these details of, you know, I'm tired of this one person or this, mm -hmm. and they want to deep dive on a specific situation. And, you know, I'm good for putting a pause in, a pin in it. Like, we're, we're going to get to that. <laughs> but first, let's go back to the beginning of why. And usually through that process, 
they're reminded of what inspired them to open that salon in the first place. And then it becomes the questions around, well, how would you break yourself on that today? Yeah. You know, and so using that as a way to get them to reflect on where they are versus where they wanted to be. And usually they will find that conclusion to them for themselves. So the whole point of coaching is not for someone to come in and go, let me tell you here are all the things right, you need to right, and right. what you need to fix and here's what you need to do. It's helping them get to discover that on their own. And I do find that getting getting back to that original inspiration of why the heck were you here in the first place, that helps to reignite that fire. But and the one only one other thing I want to add is usually when something like that happens, there's been some kind of breakdown in the background. So getting someone to think about who's their support system and are they really leveraging their support mm, system? That's good. And what should they be saying no to? Because they're overcommitted. <laughs> so let's go through, you know, where can you get some help? Where can you, you know, if you can't hire someone, what family member can you rely on? What good friend could help you out? You know, just to help reevaluate, maybe they've taken on too much at that stage. At that stage. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. Just a gentle follow up here. And I know you have something, Eric. That was fantastic. As I'm listening, mm -hmm. I can see what you're sharing can be applicable for the entrepreneur, the solopreneur. Uh, it can also be applicable for that person who is anywhere along their uh, career path in their for profit government, you know, uh, civic organization, etc. And as you were talking with regards to an entrepreneur, what came to my mind is okay, she's backing me back down into understanding self, my why, mm -hmm. and now I, I'm more clear on my initial goals. Mm -hmm. And then I say, my initial goal was to make money, to grow the business, and then I, I quickly went to the audience. How do I do that? Through my you know, clients, right. my partners. Right. And now, Kelly, I'm doing. I'm doing as an entrepreneur. I'm doing as a full-time employee in, in corporate America, for example, I'm doing, 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 and I've lost focus on the strategy. Mm -hmm. How do you now align, kind of pull me back to push me forward into the strategy? Because I'm doing every day and, and actually it's Happy New Year, Merry Christmas. Right. <laughs> now, yes. Yeah, yeah. The, the years are blurred. You know? relate to that. <laughs> so now I don't have time for the strategy and now it's 2023. In mm. March of 20, we're ending the third quarter. And last year, I said, I'm going to think about the strategy. Right. How can you reset me to focus on the strategy? All right, Ke Kelly, go ahead and start talking. We're taking notes now. We're getting free consulting right here. Free coaching. This is literally why I exist. Okay. <laughs> and this is the really the point of coaching. Um, and I. I'm humbled and I'm surprised every week someone says to me, I would have never taken this space if we weren't talking right now, <laughs> if I wasn't doing this. And that that I'm actually when I thought about what does it mean to be a coach and why to do this? This reason has elevated for me of giving people space and time to take that step back. And to have that self-reflection because we're just going, I mean, just going <laughs> between family, work, your own personal health. You know, someone told me uh, 
my goal for 2020 was to focus on, you know, meditation and yoga and, you know, to do more things like that. And she's like, I'm doing it. I'm making time for it. She was like, but then I've been trying to work on this, you know, project for 10 years. I haven't gotten it done. So, <laughs> you know, so, you know, now we're kind of going through that piece. So a bit finding that time wherever it can be alone, obviously with a peer group, with a coach, but blocking that time. And when, as an executive, what I would do is I would block half a day, once a quarter, and I would go to another location away from my computer. And that would be, okay, let me think about my team. Let me think about the strategy. Where do I want to put my time? Do I need to travel? And looking at what's coming up to reprioritize and whether that fits in my schedule. So as a tactical thing, I think what's important is that you're taking that time away. Most people can do the strategy. It's just finding the time to do it and giving yourself permission to do it. Uh, Kelly, I want to take you back to the, the, the managing up piece. And I want to ask you, uh, how do you help people make the determination? I've got a boss. They say sexist things every once in a while, or they just, it's just off colored things. I notice those. Uh, how do I make the decision on when I confront those versus when I just give them a pass? Let me add this information that oftentimes we are our filter, uh, our sensitivity to the shortcomings of others is far greater and more well-developed than our own ability to see our own humanity. Mm -hmm. And so oftentimes we'll see the brokenness in them. We'll tell our friends about it. Our friends say, I wouldn't take it. And so they just help you to get revved up to jump it. Right, right. And in fact, if you really pulled out that magnifying glass, looked at your own life, but I'm asking you, how do you help people make the decisions or go through the thought process of when should I, you know, Kenny Rogers said, no one to hold them, no one to fold them, no one to walk mm -hmm. away, no one to run. How do you help people make those decisions around when I should be trying to speak up on that and when I should just be uh, sometimes giving people a pass? Mm. I mean, you all know I'm not a DEI expert. I'm sure y'all can answer this question much better than I could. But I will tell you a personal story on how I handled it. So um, I think my first filter of thinking about it is what kind of person am I dealing with? Mm -hmm. You know, is this someone who is consistently making comments, it's, you know, to other people that might be more honestly of a HR issue versus deciding when you want to confront someone directly. But let's say overall, you're dealing with a fairly decent person and they can just make these particular comments to you and you're trying to figure out, okay, does this mean I won't get promoted? What does this mean? Um, and in my situation, I had a very lovely, lovely leader who consistently called me articulate. Mm -hmm. And that is just a trigger word for me. You right. know, it's, right. it right. just triggers me. And it's something that um, usually when said is not meant as a compliment. Uh, and so I, I struggled with it because I thought this is a generally good man. You know, I don't know if I want, I don't want to cause a rift between us because mm -hmm. of this. Mm -hmm. And we were actually at dinner one day and I said, you know, we have such a good relationship. I feel like I would be remiss if I didn't share with you 
that there's, you know, one thing that's been bothering me lately. And of course, you know, he sat right up. Oh, what? Right, 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 <laughs> right, right. Oh my God. <laughs> Honestly. Right. I thought we were good. I'm scared right. to death. We're at dinner. What's about to happen? Um, and, you know, I told him, I said, look, I know you mean this as a compliment. Uh, and I can see your intent is not to, to be hurtful in any way. But let me explain. When you say articulate and when you say it, it's not just to me privately, but in front of a group. This mm. is how I feel. And this is this is the the why this low word is loaded for me. Um, and he was completely shocked, mm. you know, had no idea that he was doing this or that it had that kind of implication. And so I'm proud of myself because I was very nervous of going to my boss and having this conversation. But I'm also proud of him because he genuinely apologized and he made a behavior change. And I actually caught him a few times in meetings about to say articulate. Right, right, right. <laughs> and he stopped. <laughs> right, right. Right, 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 right. So, you know, it does depend the kind of you know it, the kind of person you're dealing with. I think if you're dealing with someone who's genuinely or generally trying to do the right thing, it's okay to approach. But if you're seeing consistently negative behavior in multiple venues to multiple people, I'm not sure you want to take that on. You know, one on one. And I, so I want to reinforce that because I agree with that wholeheartedly, and I generally try to make an assertion, a, a sort of assessment of who am I dealing with mm -hmm. and what is the probability or likelihood of them being able to receive what I'm going to say. Mm -hmm. And if I determine that the likelihood is high, that they can receive it, then I share it. Mm -hmm. If I de determine that I'm not sure, the question mark's too big, uh, uh, and I'm making it work right now. I'm making it work right now. I don't want to go from making it work to off the cliff. Mm -hmm. Because if you give the wrong person that feedback, they say, well, I, I never knew you were so sensitive. I mean, right. uh, and as soon as they start with that, <laughs> and I, I'm just giving you a compliment. I mean, jeez, oh, the world we're living in today is just, everybody's so sensitive. Mm -hmm. You know, now you've lost the whole thing. Yeah. So I think doing the work of trying to assess the likelihood of somebody either their willingness, their openness to receive it, or how deeply is this impacting me? Those mm -hmm. are the two things that you, because even if I judge that you, there's a low probability that you might receive this, but it's more painful for me to have to deal with it all the time, then I still may have to go forward, even if I'm assessing that you, you know, may well, not. Well, that might be that moment to decide it's time to change teams yeah. or it's time to look for a different opportunity. Um, because if that leader is being supported and continues to have, you know, um, a platform at the organization, you have, it's tricky. It's tricky. And I've had, um, you know, women come to me and ask to join my team because they had a leader who liked to go to bars and comment on all the women in the bar or, you know, comment on people who are interviewing of, oh, you can't hire her. She's too ugly. You know, like, so when you hear that, she knew one conversation's not going to change anything for him. And, and if anything, he might go like, well, you're a little chubby. That might be why you feel that way. You know, <laughs> so I think that's when she realized, like, this is a bigger issue. She did report what she saw 
you know, but realized that for her career, it would be better for her to find a different kind of leader. So she ended up changing teams. Right, right. I, I think there's intersectionality between uh, career development, career advancement, managing up, really navigating the uh, career lattice, not just the ladder, but the career lattice. Mm-hmm. I think there's that intersectionality with diversity, equity, and inclusion. Right. What I'm hearing from all of us in, in this conversation that, Kelly, you offered up early on some real practical and tactical steps such as identifying your goals, knowing your audience, having a strategy mm-hmm. to manage up and to be proactive with regards to leadership. Mm-hmm. And then we're dovetailing into this conversation around the, the nuances of people. Mm-hmm. And so we're working within organizations that are run by people mm-hmm. and people bring their uniqueness, diversity. They bring uh, sometimes their, uh, their need or want to be either inequitable, I want to be overall or equitable by way of policies, procedures, etc. But ultimately, that sense of inclusion and belonging is allowing us to make a decision. If I feel like I'm included, respected, valued, belong, belonging, then I will continue to fight this battle to manage up. If I don't feel like I'm included, if I don't feel like I feel belong, I'm making a career decision from a DEI lens to leave because I don't want to continue to try to manage up and elevate where that goal is unrealistic. I don't know that those people silently are hating me. Mm-hmm. They're hating behind me. So when it's future leaders, emerging leaders, high potentials, they are not calling my name out on the list when I'm not in a room. I don't even know it. But I'm trying to raise up and manage up. And my boss is saying, Tom, you're doing a great job. First of all, my name is Tommy, not Tom. (laughs) Tom, Tommy, Thomas, all the same thing, right? (laughs) You're doing a great job. You're well placed. And I'm trying to learn him or or her. And then I get my performance evaluation. This is is not what I expected, Mm -hmm. right? right? Because I'm meeting my metrics, my performance indicators. Right. I'm, I'm actually not only doing my tactical job, but those soft skills of networking and relationship management. I'm doing all of that. What is it? Can I give you some feedback, Tom? Sure. Well, um, you know, that meeting about nine months ago and you came up with that, quote unquote, good idea. I thought that it was not the right time for that good idea. And I thought you were a little bit aggressive. And I say, well, Jimmy, he offers up ideas every meeting. And we thought about this. And we thought about this. And folks are shooting him down until one of his good ideas works. And now he's the EVP. Because mm-hmm. he kept throwing out good ideas. And I throw out a good idea. And you say it's aggressive. Mm-hmm. Or you call me articulate. Mm-hmm. Or you have some other microaggression. Right. I think there's intersectionality between Woo! and tactical approach to career advancement development, as well as knowing people are going to be who we are. We're going to be the best and the worst, and sometimes at the same time. Mm-hmm. Sometimes at the same time. 
Welcome to social and behavioral science. Yes, that's true. <laughs> yeah. My mentor told me to stop building buildings and start building people. The mm-hmm. most difficult thing is to build people. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. That's true. But I, I will say a mistake that I see on this topic of managing up is the laser focus on one person. So my direct manager, like I need them to be my champion, my sponsor, my mentor, my this, my that. But the reality is, I mean, let's look across the organization, right? Where can you build your ally? That's part of managing up too, is understanding your stakeholders and that there are actually quite a few people at an organization that can influence you, give you feedback. You know, they can be a sponsor, not just a direct manager. And what I found was as people started to build that network, that's when they start to see there are actually other opportunities at this company. There's actually a fantastic manager in that division that I didn't even know about. You know, so that's when more opportunities and options start to open up versus just that knee jerk of, all right, got to go. Time to leave. Right, right. So, that, Kelly, that's called hitting the ball out the park. Went on out the park. I was in the pool with uh, Tommy there, and we was going down for the third time because we see so much of that. But then Kelly comes in with the lifeline that says this. So I got a replay. You know, it's like a slow motion. You know how to do slow motion replays? That's what I'm about to do right now, slow motion replay. Here's a slow motion replay. Kelly says to us that when you enter into the picture of an organization, you are scanning the entire thing for everybody who exists here. Mm-hmm. You say that I'm I'm doing my job here. I'm understanding what my job is. I'm understanding who I'm working for. I'm understanding who I'm working with. Mm-hmm. But I'm also understanding that in many ways, uh, it's uh, it's uh, an audition that my interactions are auditions with everybody else around the organization. And I'm going to take, uh, you know, uh, I'm going to take a little liberty to go even further and say even into the community. In other words, wherever I show up, I'm actually doing job interviews everywhere. Mm. And you're saying that as I prepare, so I can't just be in a silo of looking at me, my job, and my immediate supervisor. I have to open up my eyes, my aperture, to Mm -hmm. see the rest of the environment Mm -hmm. uh, in order to identify and, and protect myself from the challenges of isolating myself to one relationship. That's huge. That's just powerful. And And I don't think people look at it that way. Let me give you an example. So you all know my background is mostly in commercial. So, you know, client development, new business. Uh, And I had a a really talented uh, young woman who just she her process was strong. Her everything was strong, but she was building some friction with some of the leaders. And I, you know, I said, look, I'm still saying your name. I'm still there for you, but you need to build your network. So what we did was we had a a research team and they had a goal of trying to become more customer centric. So I said, well, why don't you go do some basic sales training for this research group? They don't know anything. They've never had to do a cold call or, you know, anything like that. And she did a fantastic job. So when time came up for promotion, I'm putting her name up. You know, she's doing great. She's blowing her target. Some him and Han. Research leader raises their hand and goes, she's fantastic. Y'all are crazy. You need to promote her. <laughs> and so now she's got voices popping up across the organization. So then it became a no brainer. Right. You, you We're overruling now. And to say, 
this is someone we want to retain and someone that we think could be a future, you know, senior leader at the organization. Yeah, yeah. Kelly, I am so inspired. Uh, as Eric said, many a times you hit it out the park today. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I will tell you two things. One, uh, you're a fantastic listener, right? And I mean that sincerely. Uh, Eric has his delivery style. I have my style. Sometimes we will start to ask a question, pause that question, go into a soliloquy. And then come <laughs> back right, to the we know how we talk. We have conversations, man. Me, me and my brother Eric all the time. And you have a very unique talent, a special gift of re retaining what you hear and then circling back. That's that pin that you talked about. So kudos to you for those who are interested in and uh, leveraging the talent and the skill of Kelly Frazier Cox, I highly recommend that. Thank you. Secondly, secondly because I'm so energetic, uh, energized, if you will, and I know Eric is as well, uh, I want to turn the tables as we close out today. I can imagine that you inspire and excite your clients and others toward actionable next steps to mm. run through walls. I can do it. I'm the king or queen of the world, go off to do it, and you bring them a lot of joy. My question to you is, what brings you joy? Where do you find your peace and happiness? Because mm -hmm. you are giving so much of yourself to other people like Eric and I. Mm -hmm. We know what brings us joy, and I'll tell you personally, Eric brings me a lot of joy, right, my brother. Uh, and so what, what, what brings you joy such that you can continue to pour into other people. Wow. Okay, man, that I was not expecting that question. Um, of course, you know, friends, family, you know, that we talked about that before, you know, that that dedication to uh, making sure, you know, that my family's in a good place that absolutely brings me joy. Absolutely. But if I think about it on a personal level, it actually wasn't until recently, just the past couple of years, that I was forced to figure that out. I was just giving everything to my job, my team, you know, late nights, early mornings, weekends, travel. I, I didn't spend a lot of time on what brings me joy. And I actually got sick and I was forced to take sabbatical. And during that time, I had to answer that question of what brings me joy? How do I get that balance? And I found two things that really help with that. One is I'm, I'm a creative person at heart. You know, Tommy, I had a similar story where I wanted to be an artist and they're like, mm, you know. <laughs> I don't quite see what you're saying. You've got to look deeper. You've got to look deeper. I'm relating to you a little bit. Right. Um, but I love making things with my hands. So uh, everyone in my family has a handmade gift, jewelry, right. painting, crochet, whatever. Right. They laugh at me all the time. Right. Like, I made this. Right. <laughs> um, yeah. so, but that brings me joy. And the other thing is I actually found Tai Chi. And um, I was a big meditator before. And this is meditation through movement. Uh, I was a dancer early days. And 
it just connected to me in this way where it calms me, it gives me clarity, and it's just this connection to really understanding what's going on in my body. So I can feel that tension early. I can feel when stress is coming up before it's overwhelming. And it just gives me a space where I can now be open and think about being lovingly compassionate and think about being open to listening. So it just changes that mentality and how I can show up to those coaching meetings or speaking engagements. Yeah. Right. And Tommy, I want to uh, rein uh, reinforce what Tommy just said as well. How, you have children, Kelly? No, I don't. No. Okay. Huh? Lucky you. Uh, <laughs> but what I've seen, I, lucky me too, I got four. Uh, but what I've seen is that if we're not careful, if we're in these helping professions, mm -hmm. we can give, give, give. Yes. And literally, uh, people will just take, take, take. And you have to force yourself uh, to make time for yourself uh, mm -hmm. because otherwise you'll just end up at the end of the highway, like you said. And, and now you're at a, at a drop off. And uh, I, I find that for myself, I need that too. Tommy and I, uh, golf is one of the ways that we just really get a chance to uh, step back. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, we're too busy to do it oftentimes, but we force it in. Because we need it. Each of us need joy in our lives to enable us to continue doing what we do. Uh, we are grateful that you are an awesome professional. Uh, you are a gift to the world. Uh, you are thoughtful. Uh, you prepare well. You have something to give people, which oftentimes is listening and helping people solve their own problems. I like that you return to the theory of coaching and the underlying principles of coaching is mm -hmm. not just telling people all the right answers, mm -hmm. but it's asking them the right questions and yeah. helping people to solve their problems. We see that in you in uh, powerful ways. And so we are just grateful that our audience got a chance to hear from you today. We're going to give you a final word. Is there anything else that you want to share uh, as we close out? Hmm. See, I should have been ready for this. Unless <laughs> <laughs> I'd say the diversity conversations never end in a period. They always end in a comma, which means you're coming back. Don't worry. You didn't get it this time. The most profound closing, you're coming back. I mean, I feel like this idea of, you know, you all were talking about it at the beginning of, of just spreading love, right? And how do you do that? And in my space, I see it as spreading love through your, your gifts and your values. And how do you bring that to your relationships? That could be personally, but also professionally. And I think once you tap into that, that makes it a whole lot easier to manage up. It makes it a lot easier to build those relationships. It, bringing that level of intent and focus and uh, your gifts, I think that makes all the difference. So I'm hoping today you know, was empowering to a lot of people to realize that they don't just have to rely on one person to determine their career or their happiness and that there's more that they can do uh, because at the end of the day, there's a lot more in our control than we think. Tommy, I'm going to give you the final word, but I want to say this to you also, Kelly, before we, because, you know, my faith sometimes gives me a chance to kind of imagine or sort of see ahead what I think is, is potentially ahead for people. And as I think about you and how you show up, in the world. I see you as being a, an amazing coach to world leaders. Uh, I think that you're the kind of person that puts people at ease, uh, but you're sort of well-prepared and studied. 
you 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 come off you you know you have this sort of honor that goes with you that makes people want to share with you the the challenges and the struggles that they might have and i can see your skill set being at any level that's ultimately what i mean i, I think it's corporate major corporate ceos uh, mm -hmm. women and men could benefit from you as their coach mm -hmm. uh, and i just say Hold on. I, the, the other thing that came in my mind was it's only a, the, the distance from you to there is only people seeing you. That's it. It's just, there's nothing else needed other than light being shown onto you. So light, the light of diversity. Yeah, <laughs> C. Kelly. C. Kelly. No, it's amazing. And this is on tape too. So, you know, they'll just have many, many more chances. Yeah. yeah. I, I appreciate this platform. You all are amazing. And I love that you said honor because that's one of my core values. So I try to live by that. Thank you for saying that. Tommy, take us home, man. Absolutely. We're joined again by our uh, expert in residence, our third co-host of Diversity Conversations, right. Kelly oh Frazier Cox, founder and executive coach uh, at uh, Promote Leaders. Uh, if you don't know Kelly and haven't reached out to her, find her on LinkedIn and other platforms. We encourage our community across the globe, across the U.S. to do the same. And on behalf of Eric Ellis and my, myself, thank you again for joining us another installment of Diversity Conversations. Please enjoy your weekend. Take care. Thank you, Thank you for joining us for another episode of Diversity Conversations. Visit us on LinkedIn, YouTube, and of course, Facebook. We will see you at the next conversation.